So it's been a bit since we saw our characters. It's incorrect to say a few days, because one of the things you all have picked up in the admittedly at this point still relatively brief time you've been here is that there's no cycle for telling time here at all. I, I have said this last session, and now your characters are fully aware of it. The storm overhead reaches to all corners of the sky and never gets any better or worse. So there's no celestial bodies by which to tell time. There's also, you know, as a result, animals aren't really diurnal either. They sleep based on, like, as they're hungry and as predators appear. And as a result, that's kind of how the passage of time works for all of you in the camp. It's especially weird for Steiner, because you are a tireless, sleepless machine. But for everybody who does do this thing, time is kind of measured in sleeps. You wake up, you do things until your body says it's tired and you need to rest, and then you lay down and sleep until you are rested, and then you wake up, and life resumes. And so that means everybody kind of has a disjointed sense of time in relation to each other, because like, you know, you squishy humans, which n nobody knows that's what you are, but you'll all sleep for like, I don't know, between six and ten hours, depending. But also the other primordial fae around here, like some will sleep for half that, some will sleep for three times that. Steiner, you're the only one who can like get any sort of fractional relationship because you're awake for all of it. But uh, it's, again, it's just kind of difficult to tell how long it's been since any given event, since your only timepiece is your internal clock. I can say, however, that it's been three sleeps since we were last here. Just one more sleep till Christmas. <laughs> and in that time, you've learned a couple of other things. The, uh, the first is that clothes don't really have any, like, social function here. There's no society by which to, like, establish social taboos. So clothes exist to keep the weather off of you. And given that the weather in the camp is forced into this, like, really easy and pleasant 
like neutral spring day all the time. A lot of people just don't wear clothes, or at least not all the time. You know, there, there are some people who are... I hesitate to say never nude, but uh, <laughs> there are people who always have something on, and frequently those are, you know, the people who, like Grant, are wearing some kind of mask or wrapping or some other covering to hide a blemish or disfiguration or something from everybody. Uh, and then people wear clothes when they want to. So, uh... Rocking out with your cock out 24-7. Got it. I'm into it. Don't worry, I don't wear, wear clothes either. Yeah, I don't wear clothes. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, actually, can I get, like, a really cool... Can you get, like, a cloak? It makes robots automatically cooler if they're wearing, like, a cloak. That's true. It works in Mega Man Zero. Yeah. So here's the thing, is... I'm I am not going to get into detail on what the primordial fae have below the belt. Um, I'm not going to speculate on if there's anything there. I'm not going to speculate if they are smooth like Kent dolls. I am not going to speculate on if there's any dimorphism or trimorphism or heptamorphism. I'll leave that all up to the fanfic writers, but yeah. you all Wait, know what's no. going on down there. You all there ha- absolutely there are half-breeds. There are compatible parts, at least along, along some lines. Okay, primordial fey are different. Yeah, like you know that modern fey have some kind of genitalia that are compatible with humans because magpie exists yep. but like the only primordial fae you've ever heard of siring children is Adel and you know that they did that by literally tearing out chunks of their soul and molding it into the kings and queens of the fae courts so <laughs> uh, unless one or all three of you, unless any of you like, try and find out how that works that's a mystery okay, so Grant's in a relationship uh, even if Steiner was not currently in an angel body, he probably would not, out of, well, maybe like out of just scientific curiosity, but otherwise he wouldn't give a shit <laughs> hey, how do you fuck? <laughs> you you do know, however, that it must happen some way because there are children present. There's not a lot of them. I'm not going to give a definite number, but you can definitely count all of them on your fingers and toes. There are at least two. <laughs> Minimum. Their, their names are Amelia and Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> But they are definitely present. It's unclear exactly if any of them have parents in the way you all understand them. It's... they're raised communally. Way back when humans used to do. And, you know, 
everything is done communally. If one of the children causes a problem, discipline is handled by the group. Comfort, feeding, everything is distributed. There's a little bit of hesitation for everybody to let the three of you uh, deal with any of that. At least for the time being, mostly because nobody really has a handle on you quite yet. That's fair. And then besides the raising of children, just the the upkeep, the management of everything is also a community effort. I said last time that there are people who, you know, they don't work exactly, they don't contribute, and you continue to learn that that is still a fine thing to do, but for the people who do work, you know, there are some people who are best suited for one thing, but for most people, it's... Well, it's not true that everybody has working hands, and it's not true that everybody has working feet, but everybody can do something, most people can do multiple things, and everybody works to keep everything running and keep everybody's lives comfortable while Adel is handling safety. Speaking of Adel, they don't just stick to their tent. They are out and about talking to everybody, spending a little bit of time with everybody except for the three of you for the moment. Every time that you lock eyes with them, they like, they, they give like a short wave and it's very apparent on their face that they're like, glad to see you, they would like to talk to you, but also they are guilty and they are worried and so they always seem to curve off from you all to like give you all space and let you approach them in your own time they are working hard to not impose on your space until you're fine with them so with all of this setting what is everybody doing as the days pass the camp is technically big enough that you can be out of range of Mesa if, like, you are standing on the opposite side of camp from them, but that would be something you would either have to get very unlucky or do on purpose. So you're not exactly restricted in your activities. Steiner, the hunters and gatherers have not returned yet, though you've heard some talk that they will probably re be returning soon because they're hitting the average number of sleeps that they're gone for. Fair enough. Um, so two things. Well, three things, actually. Let me think. Uh, first of all, even though I don't sleep, I probably still have, like, rest periods. Okay. Just where I, like, have a little downtime. Because, you know, even without the fatigue, I still probably get mentally tired. Sure, sure. So what does that look like for you, and what does that look like for everybody around you? I don't know. I want to say it's like... 
I don't have access to books, I'd be just like sitting around and reading a book for a couple hours and just chilling. It's just as close to meditative as you can get without actually meditating. I guess kind of like relax for a little bit. But even that, it's like still only probably just need to do that a couple hours a day, maybe, or depending on how active I am. Um, second, uh, since it's been like um, three sleeps, can I just like untick this damage? Yeah, if uh, if any of you still have any harm left over, you've had more than enough time to get it patched. I think I got all my harm patched trying to talk to the mute, uh, trying to talk to Avda, and they healed me, and it's hilarity ensued. Yes, all of those <laughs> things are true. I have like four harm sitting or kicking around, so you know. Yeah, absolutely patch all that up. Uh, and then third, uh, as to what I'm doing, if I'm not actively helping someone or uh, taking a you know mental break, then I'd probably just patrol the edge of the camp for make sure nothing you know, tries to sneak in. Not that I imagine there's many things that can, what with Adel uh, doing as they do. Yeah. If nothing else, I'm just out scavenging for like basic stuff. I don't know, I imagine if there's like herbs and anything they need that's within fairly easy distance. Okay, okay. How's about... I want to put a roll to this. I don't... There's, like, no consequence for failure here. Since you don't know the landscape and you don't know any botany for this place and era, at least not yet, just give me, like, a straight 2d6 roll to see, like how lucky you get at finding useful stuff. Wow. Wow, that's snake eyes. Snake eyes. Um, damn, dude. Everything you get is, like, fucking poisonous or inedible. I'm sorry. At least on your first couple of forays. Yeah. You you come back with a big ar- arm full of berries. You hold one up the... the- one goes, that'll give us diarrhea, and you throw it away, and you pull another one up. That'll, that one will make us vomit, and you throw that one away, and you hold another one up. That one will kill us. <laughs> and give us vomiting <laughs> diarrhea. Everybody's, everybody is a little bit impressed on your second trip out when you come back, and you still have nothing but dangerous vegetation in your arms. There's some kind of like speculation on oh, Oh, they don't... Steiner doesn't know where it comes from, doesn't know its original purpose. Maybe it's like some kind of war machine. Hmm. 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 Or maybe I'm just getting real unlucky. <laughs> maybe. Um, maybe next time I will have a guide for this. Yeah, maybe. You, uh, you do know that... Malpha was doing exactly what you are trying to do now, so maybe you can hit them up next time. <laughs> Harrison's? Uh, let's see if I can actually talk to Avda today. Avda. Avda, excuse me, thank you. By the way... Hey, I can. Yeah, by the way, um, before we get any farther into this, 
I need everybody to roll use magic to get language spells going. And that um, includes another one for Grant. Okay. Because this is for spoken languages. You got sign language there. And I also got spoken language. I rolled a big number. There's a good All right. roll. 12s and 13s all around. <laughs> yep. Now that, uh... Now that nobody is going to be able to roll above a seven again for the rest of the session. <laughs> hey, I got my real bad roll out of the way. You did. <laughs> Here's hoping. Uh, so, Grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to being able to vocally communicate with people, you can also speak in hands with the doctor today. Right. So I'll, I'll go to them and I'll say it worked this time. They look confused. They like squint, tilt their head. Oh, right. Um, that's right. Uh, I'll explain. Oh, right. Uh, there's a magic thing. I forgot that you would forget me. Uh, I came a couple days ago trying to learn healing magic and uh, there was disaster in trying to communicate with you. They get up from their chair, walk over to you and ask, would it be all right if I checked that? Make them a flash card that they just like carry with them. You just rock up to them and they look at it like, this is Grant, you know them, they're cool, there's a weird magic thing, don't worry about it. Right, yeah, I, I probably actually will do that this uh, visit. That is a good idea, thank you for... Uh, hey, where's your Walgreens? I need some poster board. <laughs> <laughs> but Grant will think for a while and say, it is, but I'm not sure if there's anything you can do to fix it. So reach out, motion like they're gonna put their hands on you, and there's that same like hesitance and look on their face. Like, is this cool? Uh, I give a nod of con- well, I give a gesture of consent. Okay, they like th- they touch you in a bunch of places. You know, the top of your head, the front of your head, your shoulders, uh, center of your chest. The, like the whole time they look kind of confused like oh that's not it oh that's not it oh that's not it and then they take their hand off and they sign at you it's not anything physical is it no it's uh it's a thing involving myself and i make sure to use the capital s version of their version of s when i say self that's not that word doesn't mean anything to me it's hard to explain um basically when you meet someone you form a connection with them that stays forever and that's how people remember you Mine was severed to do an extremely important thing, and so very few people in my life will actually remember me. 
Okay, so then it's... It's a metaphysical thing. Okay, so... And, and there's like the actual like trailing so as like a... That sentence is continuing in my head. I'm just not putting right. it into hands. And they reach back out, put their hand on the center of your chest, and now they like actively close their eyes, brows knit, their head twists like 45 degrees. They are obviously concentrating. And you're not what I would call a practiced self-mage, but you can definitely feel them like pushing at the boundaries of your liminal space. Okay. Like trying to get in there. You um, have the opportunity to force them out. I do, but I don't want to do it like forcibly. Like I'm trying to push them back and reject them. I'm, I'm more like trying to gently guide them out in order to say something before they go in. Okay. I won't make you roll to do that one. Avda is very considerate. Alright, so uh, I will say be careful while you're in there. If you change anything, it could irreversibly change it and not always for the better. I have a passing familiarity with that area. Fair enough. Thank you. And then I will I will put down the walls and let them in. Okay. Do you follow them in? Like do you do you go through the motions that Agnes taught you to get into your own space? Or are you just going to kind of like let them be in there? Sure, why not? I'll follow them in, see what they have to say. Okay. Well, you're you don't have company for very long. You get in there, Avda's already in there. They're looking around like they're expecting to see something. And then understanding is on their face and then they are out of your space. Okay. I thought they might want to talk while we were in there, but uh I mean, I'll hop out as well. They look very concerned upset and they're like by the time you get out of your space they have taken you by the hand and they are kind of like like half inching towards the door like they want to take you somewhere I'll follow them sure okay no rules are required to determine you are heading for the tent that Adel sleeps in yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to be friends with them, so might as well. Yeah, alright. You know, there's no hard door or anything here, so Avda doesn't knock. They just throw the flap aside, pulling you with them. Adel is meditating, just sitting on the floor. It's that same snake stance that they were in when you met them in your liminal space the few times that you did. Right. And their eyes are shut, their head is bowed a little bit. But as you like get into the main section of the tent, Avda stomps their foot twice and Adel perks up. 
pupils dilate and then contract for just a moment as they like <laughs> center themselves back in the world that you're in. Adel's used to office shit. <laughs> and then Avda drops your hand and starts signing really fast. Adel, I don't know what, how it happened. They they're indicating that it th- that they did it on purpose somehow, or that that it was intentional. But they dis- their core isn't there. There's nothing in there. The the. The, the little bits around, and like this stuttering is actually coming through in their signing. Like their hands are like so fast and shaky a little bit that the spell you're working to interpret it is rendering that as stuttering and occasionally a little bit of slurring as one gesture like goes too wide. Right. I've seen the Adam Stanley. Yeah. And so they they explain it as best they can. They use slightly different words. You know, instead of self, they use core and reflective cores, which you get to be other selves. And just as this explanation goes on and on and on, Adel's face like kind of blends into a combination of very concerned and also just, like, mildly pissed off. I, uh... (laughs) Pissed off is... getting to me, and I'm starting to look back at the flap that leads out, but I think it's too late now. They... stand up to full height, regard you. Lindsay, may I look? Yes. They reach out, hand on your chest. You can feel them pushing at the walls of your liminal space. Let them in. I don't okay. follow. That, that'll probably trigger some emotional trauma, so I don't follow this time. Okay. You are mildly aware of Adel's presence inside of that space. And then that presence leaves you and their concentration returns to the waking world in full. Their hand comes off. The ratio of emotions has not changed on their face. It's just like the saturation's been turned up. They look more concerned and more pissed off. Okay. You did this to yourself? I had to, to save a lot of people I care about. From what? I can't say. (sighs) I'm, I'm sorry, I can't say. No, no. Do not need to apologize. And then they lean in, put both hands on your shoulders, like lean in real close. It does not matter why this was done. It does not matter why you felt the need to do this. I cannot commit to this now. There is 
too much at stake. I cannot afford to do this to myself. But when all of this is over, and the world is safe and quiet, I will, if you ask it, tear a piece out of my own core and give it to you to build yourself anew. I kind of did that with my own already. I put it someplace safe and hopefully when it's safe enough to go back to, I'm hoping that I can at least repair some of the damage. I, I don't know if I'll be able to repair it all, but I can go and try and repair some of it. Then I will give you what aid I can to lessen the damage. Thank you. And they lean a bit farther in and they touch the center of their forehead to yours. Yeah, I won't pull back. Yeah. They'll stand back up to full height give your shoulders a squeeze, clap you on one shoulder a little bit, step back. Thank you for bringing this to my attention, Afta. You are welcome to stay here if there are other things you need to do. Please don't feel like you need to stay. Grant, Afta looks a little like pink around the ears. Huh. But they sign, no, I have nothing else to I, I, I don't need anything else from you right now. I'll, I'll come back if I do. They grab you by the hand and kind of like pull you out. All right. Uh, as, as they're pulling me out, I'll turn and I'll go, uh, you don't have to avoid me, you know, I, it's fine. You, you can say hi and stuff. Then I won't. I'll give them a nod and follow Afta out. All right. Well, uh, I, you know the way back to their tent, so they'll drop your hand as they leech back there. Alright, I'll sign thank you to them uh, in in response. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. That's not the kind of injury anyone should have to live with. And it's not something I can fix, but I know they could. It's a problem I've been trying to solve since I learned I had to do it, so help is appreciated. You'll have it. You might have to wait, but you'll have it. Anyways, throwing the flap open, you were going to ask me about healing magic properly. Yes. Um, hold on one moment, though, uh, and I will... I'll write that. I'll write out some stuff. Like my name is Lindsay. You will probably not remember me. Uh, my core was damaged, um, but and I'll like write down the events of the stuff that we did that day. Yeah. So that way, yeah. Got a fifty-first date. This shit. <laughs> and the two of you can sit down. And Avda will start teaching you 
their method of medicinal spellcasting. There's a different ethos to it than a lot of what you're used to. The healing magic you learned before was all about, like, converting raw mana into life energy and then just pumping that into a wound to accelerate the body's natural healing process or augmenting it beyond its natural capabilities to, like, what you did to regrow Emery's fingers. Right. Avdas has this different, like, core idea behind it, which is having the idea of the ideal state of a person and shifting their being into that state. Like, there, there's some kind of optimal state of wellness that you're nudging a person towards via magic. Okay, and Grant is not so socially blind to enough to want to ask why they don't do that to themselves to fix their voice, so Grant's not going to ask that question. Good lad. <laughs> so, I just want, I want a weird roll. Just okay. as a kind of like, how well do you internalize these lessons? Okay. Pretty damn well, actually. Yeah. You're, you are nothing if not a very flexible mage. So taking on this like second basis for healing somebody is not too, too difficult, all told. How about you, Amelia? What have you... What are you getting up to right now? Well, in between, like, learning, like, things about medical alchemy from Alpha and just, like, keeping tabs on, you know, my friends, Roxanne is uh, spending time, like, wandering around the, like, I guess the safe area of the camp looking for materials because she wants to sort of like try to make her own instrument as a means of passing the time. Mm. All right. All right. Can't just work all the time. You gotta have a hobby. Yeah. Roxanne plays a guitar. So strings instruments. I mean, She's familiar with a lot of music instruments. It's just she plays the guitar. Right. So if you are going for something in the guitar genre, there isn't exactly a shortage of wood to build the body with. The issue is strings. Right. Hmm. Like, I imagine... It could be done with like, you know, probably not as well in real life, but this is the Feywild. There's probably like some fucking ironwood tree or some shit that has leaves that have fibers that are steel strong or something like that. <laughs> could try and weave together 
uh, strings for a string instrument. It probably wouldn't be fast and would take a lot of repetition, but that's, hey, a project is a project. Right. So, I mean, Malpha, in addition to being kind of a primordial pharmacist, is also kind of doubles as a botanist. Can definitely ask them about it. Such a thing does exist. They don't harvest that regularly because there isn't a lot of non-combat utility for such a thing. And nobody here but Adel does any fighting exactly. Right. And, and Adel doesn't need that. But there are definitely teams that go out to gather materials that can't be found just in the immediate perimeter of the camp. You could put that on a shopping list. Sure. I mean, I know Steiner's waiting to uh, get on one of those teams. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind going out there myself. Keep an eye on Steiner. All right. All right. You know, being that he can't take care of himself. <laughs> okay. So for the time being, mm-hmm. tell, tell me what kind of role you want to make to craft the body of your instrument. Well, what kind of role would be... Like, the obvious answer is a cool role, because it's the do-a-difficult-non-combat-thing kind of role. But if you can give me something else, pitch me some other stat, I'm willing to listen. (laughs) I mean, this is really, this is really make a difference of one point to the role, so it doesn't matter to me, but just for fun. I'd like to argue that this is a matter of, like, tenacity, because there's going to be a lot of failed attempts. The first one isn't going to come out correct and all of that. So what if I roll tough? (laughs) I'll allow it. All right, cool. (laughs) Roll plus blood. Uh, I only got a nine. Oh, well. You know, it'll... It'll function. There's definitely room for improvement, but it'll function. Yeah. And plus, you know, there's only so much wood that I can reasonably ask to use before it becomes like a waste of material. Not that one would be wanting for wood, but there comes a point where you're kind of just wasting things. (laughs) And there's improvements that I'm only going to figure out how to make once the strings are ready. I have to come up with a method to fasten the strings, the body, and the neck. It'll be a process. I wonder if there's any, like, fey instruments floating around. Well, give me a moment to pick one of these people. Uh Aha. So, you know, on, on one of these attempts, one of the members of the camp that you've seen around, a 
bronze-skinned, tall elf. Longish brown hair, but they keep it tied up. Uh-huh. Walks over to you and introduces themselves as Zulf and asks what you're working on. Because I feel like I've seen somebody make something like that before. Ah, yeah, I'm trying to make an instrument. Uh, You can see the hollow cavity is going to... (sighs) When I'm done with it, there's going to be these these strings across it and the vibration and I pull across the strings the vibration in the hollow will hit the hollow cavity and will make noise you know and if I put my fingers here and here I can adjust how the strings vibrate and affect the tone of the, the music it makes they're nodding along and fidgeting with these necklaces they've got on. They're these like little flower chains with some kind of round green orb towards the front of their chest. I don't meet many other. This is for music. Mm-hmm. I don't meet many other musicians. Most people don't have time for it. Oh, I, I love music. It's a great way to express yourself. It's entertaining. It's a fun hobby. It is. It is. It is. It is. It is. Just... And, and they have a look on their face like, I don't need to tell you this, but I'm bitching about the state of the world. People don't really have time for that kind of pleasure-seeking. There's no utility to it. It's... it's I'm relatively new here. I'm still getting used to the idea of everybody here is okay to pursue things like that. I I understand completely. I've spent a long time uh, putting things I care about aside for the sake of survival. I understand how it is. Do you... Do you have a name for your instrument? I'm just curious. <laughs> um. God, do I just call it a guitar? <laughs> will this will this affect the time stream if I introduce the guitar <laughs> to the ancient fae? <laughs> I mean, like, I guess I could just lie and say no. You could. Uh. Okay. No. 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 I'll, uh, a bit of one, a bit of the other. Um, well, it's supposed to be this thing I've used to have called a guitar. I I didn't make the one I used to have, so I'm trying to sort of approximate it. Hmm. Well, this... And they've, they've had this, like, long cylindro... It, it looks like a staff at first glance, like, strapped to their back. They reach back, they pull it out, and then they have to, like, reach up with their other hand to pull it out the rest of the way. It's almost as tall as they are. Once they plant the end of it on the ground, it, like, comes up just below their chin. The person who made this for me called it a cartra. Is that cartra? Like, 
K-A-R-J-R-A. It's it's a D, not a J, but it's kind of fussed with to make it sound like a J. Alright, right, I'm just curious. Making sure I know how to say it is the thing. Kartra. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to hear it. They pick it up, they like splay it across two hands. So there's a channel running the length of it. And they turn it and they gotta like back up a little bit so you can see it. And there's definitely like a hole on one end and you can see out the other side of it. And the thickness of the hole changes throughout its length. I think they look a little bit sad. Didn't make this myself and I couldn't make it again if it ever broke. It's kind of my treasure, but it's made for music. And yeah, I'll like, sit down cross-legged, splayed across their legs. Play you a little bit. Um, I'm working on something new right now. I'm not quite ready to show it to everybody. And they pull out a shorter stick. It looks just kind of like a regular stick that's had the bark like sanded off of it. They, they rotate the instrument in their lap so that there's like ridges. There's a line of ridges over uh, along one edge of it. And they drag the smaller stick across the length of the Karjra. And, you know, as it hits the ridges, you know, depending on the speed and the exact position, it produces different notes. So they, they've got this kind of, like, sliding sound to it. I, I don't know... I can't think of another instrument that I would compare it to exactly. It's closer to percussion than it is strings or woodwinds. But it has the kind of, I guess I want to say, floatiness, liquidity to how the notes move into each other that strings do. Hmm. I feel like a thing like this exists in real life, but also, okay. I have this little wooden frog that has like a, a bumpy ridge along its back and there's this like little wooden dowel and you move it up the frog and it makes a sound like a frog's croak. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. That sounds neat. Yeah. And I have translated that idea into an instrument. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm going to try and say this, but I'm probably going to mispronounce Uh Aguiro? I haven't heard of that. Can I get a spelling? Yeah, I'll, I'll post a Wikipedia article for you. It's a hollow gourd. Parallel notches cut in one side, played by rubbing a stick or tines along the notches to produce a ratchet sound. Yeah, that's basically what I'm going for. Also, yes, Ape, that is exactly, that, that's not what my frog looks like, but that is exactly the kind of thing. I love those things. <laughs> yeah, he plays out a few... I don't really know that much about music theory. I don't know if you would call them chords exactly. No, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. He, he shows you a few, like, laying it across his lap and then 
he transitions to a second stance where he kind of has it like like a short upright base like the end of it is in the ground and they're still sitting and the end of it is like above their head and they play it that way they can't hit all the notes like this but they that seems fine huh that's really interesting I've never seen anything quite like that it's very it's very pretty I've thank you I'm thinking about trying a second stick. They hold out the the one that they drag across the instrument. Just something I'm going to try out once I get this piece finished is two notes at once. I don't know. Just an idea. True. True. Yeah. And you could also maybe try uh, like a stick made out of a different material. It might vary the sound. You know, what you have is fine and might actually be the best option. But, you know, uh, there's all kinds of different types of materials in wood. You might be get a different a different like, tone out of it if you had a different material for... The, is there a name for the stick you're using to play with or is it just a stick? They've got this, like, big enthusiastic smile on their face and they're nodding along, like, happily as you're saying all this. No, if, if there's a name for it, I don't know it. <laughs> Come up with one eventually. Sometimes a stick is just a stick. <laughs> no, I totally get it. <sighs> yeah, uh, it's it's like with the, the guitar I'm trying to make. Uh, you know, you can get strings that are made of different materials. I, I don't know how I would ever get any nylon here. Uh... But I'm um, hoping with some maybe like fibers from a particularly strong tree, I can weave them together into strings of different thickness. But yeah, no, no, no. If you, if you, but if you do figure out, <laughs> sorry, I got distracted talking about my thing. If you figure out uh, the the two the two stick two note maneuver, I I'd love to see it. Hear it. I'll play it for you first. Fantastic. Um, yeah, well, just come find me whenever you figure it out. Oh, you should call the instrument the little thing. You should call it a Fanta. You know, because it's, it's fantastic. It's a Fanta stick. Well, <laughs> I quit. Shut the fuck up, Abe. <laughs> I will never shut the fuck up. Yeah, we just fucking collectively we both just like start geeking out about musical stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Do you like go to any lengths to disguise the degree of your knowledge of magical theory? Or do you just like get real deep into it? Magical theory or like musical theory? Musical theory. That's a misspeak on my part. Used to talking about wizard shit. Yeah, I getcha. Roxanne is probably more educated in music theory than I am. But, like, I feel like she'd be a little euphemistic, so, like, rather than... Rather than calling something, like, an F-sharp or whatever, uh, she would just, like... You know, say, like, oh, a higher note or a lower note or whatever. Yeah. I used to know this shit. I was in band. God damn it. (laughs) 
she's not going to fucking throw out arpeggio or whatever the fuck in the middle of this conversation, if that's what you're asking. I mean, that's fair, and would it make any sense? Zulf definitely doesn't know half as much as you in when it comes to music theory. They just do what sounds good. They, they haven't exactly had a lot of, like, free time to think about, like, naming notes. They just know, like, my instrument makes this sound when I do this. Primordial jazz. It's about the notes you don't name. <laughs> okay. I want that one slide. That one's a good joke. <laughs> and, you know, throughout the entire conversation, they're, they're kind of like... Like fidgety, they're they're constantly drumming the sliding stick across their instrument, and just like absently. With the other hand, they're you know they're frequently like tapping on their thigh or just like drumming their fingers on the ground. It's a little bit difficult to tell whether they're just full of the music or they got some kind of like twitch or stim to them or something. But they're definitely like in a really good mood talking to maybe the only musician they've met in a couple of decades. I mean, same. I haven't really had a lot of opportunities to talk to other musicians in a while. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like I try not to. Not even just as like a I am a time traveler being aware of the fact that I'm a time traveler, but like I try not to uh put any of my ideas of like musical styling conformity onto them while we're talking about things I don't go I don't like tell them oh it would be better if you do this I I just go like oh I like to do it like this way rather than like saying what is correct and incorrect because um, this is a pretty important time for musical experimentation, especially somebody who doesn't really have a lot of other people to talk about music theory with. And I don't want to, like, stifle any of the things that they might learn or discover on their own. Yeah. Right on, right on. So, Steiner. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's sometime between Grant and Roxanne's third and fourth sleeps. When the hunting and gathering teams return, they are, like, hailed. Everybody is excited to see them. The camp, you know, it, it wasn't exactly like dull before their arrival, but everybody kind of perks up at their return. There's maybe about a dozen of them between the two groups, and there is definitely like two distinct groups. Like they, there is like a, like a bit of space and a bit of visual distinction between them, in addition to what they're carrying. Like obviously there's one group that's carrying a bunch of animal corpses of you know, various kingdoms, or phyla, I guess it would be, and uh, another that's like got lumber and stones and plant materials of a number of varieties, and 
they are like making their way into camp and depositing things. You know, the, the food goes with the food and the building materials go with the building materials, putting everything in its place. Insect materials in the insect materials chest. <laughs> yes. So, what do you do? Um, I think first and foremost, uh, uh, help unpack things, I guess, and then wait for someone to introduce, because it feels a little weird just to go up to him. Like, I am some sort of strange robot man. Can I hang out with you guys? Okay. So, you, you, you get looks from the people who didn't met you when you first arrived. Yes, you are, again, a very odd thing to have around camp. Most people have never seen anything like you. But after everything gets sorted and put away, the quartermaster who promised to introduce you, and I have a name for them now. Their name is Wydock. Well, that's usually where ships, uh, you know, best place for them when they're not on the open ocean. See, I thought you were going to go for a where dock or a how dock or a what dock. Th that's oh, an equally dock? valid joke. Nim dock. <laughs> I got nothing. The three, you know, the five docks of journalism. <laughs> uh, why dock takes uh, just like finds a moment where you're like you're organizing things and it's just you. And they ask you, so you had said you wanted to work with them. They are two groups. Do you have a preference? Uh, well, I suppose I don't want to... I, I don't know how the hunting cooperates. I'm not exactly stealthy. And if that's how they go about the hunts, I would be most likely a detriment to them. I would suppose they would know better the two groups would know better if I would be of any use to either of them, so I suppose whichever seems whichever seems to think I would actually be useful to them. Okay. We can get the two that sort of head those groups together. Turn it into a sit-down between the three of you. Shouldn't be too hard. Excellent. And they will lead you over first to the hunters since they finished first and were getting comfortable first finished putting things away I mean just to be clear the one in charge Wydok introduces as Kisamai they're a you know, pretty standard looking elf if not for the fact that they are kind of beat up a bit. They got their head wrapped in bandages. They've got bright red eyes, which is actually kind of uncommon around camp. Blues and greens and browns are more common, but you know, th there's the there's the occasional like purple or pink or like gold. Kisamai's eyes are like bright red which is the only one of that kind that you've seen so far. I think I mentioned that they got a kind of like headpiece on that has 
lenses in it. It's up around their forehead right now, but that's definitely the kind of thing that could be like pulled down onto their eyes and I don't know, maybe that telescopes, maybe it's enchanted to like see through things, who knows. But they're also beat up, they've got cuts and bruises all over their body that they are wrapping up right now with some bandages. And next to them is definitely like the youngest adult elf question mark that you've seen. They're, they're not like one of the children that's running around, but Milos, as Wydok introduces them, looks like Faye 15. Hmm. They've, uh, you know, they, they got a like nice little scar up around their eyebrow. Hair's cut pretty short. It's this like dark purple. They are wearing like actual kind of segmented plate armor. Kisamai isn't. They're they're dressed like a lot looser, like less protection, but it's definitely lighter, easier to move around in. Milos has like boots and plates and is like presently sharpening a knife while you know it looks like they got less injured than Kisamai, so their bandaging took a lot less time. And the two of them are just sitting around the fire. Kisamai is like in addition to their name is introduced as the head of the hunters and Milos is kind of their apprentice. In, in the initial conversation, Milos's natural talent for hunting animals is talked up a bit, and you get the feeling that they're like a prodigy, and they're being trained by a veteran to get real good at it. Well, a pleasure to meet you both. Um, I am Steiner. I recently arrived along with my compatriots in the camp, and looking to make myself useful. Um, let's see. Uh, not sure which of your groups would find me more useful to have around. I'm not particularly stealthy being fairly large and mostly metal, um, but I do have uh, a unnatural endurance as I don't need to eat or sleep, though I do need a bit of rest now and then. Um, I'm decently tough. I can take a few hits. Uh, I have my own weapon and I can repair myself fairly easily. I just thought I'd see which um, who would find that more useful. Kisama is just like nodding along and you definitely feel evaluated under their gaze they ask you so can you move quietly hmm most everything out there is stronger than all six of us put together we have to be ambush predators yes that was my concern I'm fairly large and dense as in you know, metal fence. So, 
My concern is that I would not be particularly useful in that aspect. I'd be willing to give you a shot if I wasn't worried that if you're as loud as you're making yourself out to be, you'd get one of us hurt. Yes, again, that's also one of my concerns is why I wanted to ask you your direct opinion. Uh, I'm not particularly noisy, but I'm not particularly quiet is the concern, and I really do not want to put one of yours in danger by accident. So I left it, wanted to leave it to your evaluation, which is my way here. Well, good on you for asking. Thank you for being honest. You've got time to work on learning to move quietly, and I'm going to be here for a few sleeps. I guess I could show you something if you wanted it. We could work on it. You could work on it by yourself. It's your life. But I think for the time being, you don't sound like a good fit. I can this is why I brought it up. Um, do uh, like I said, have my strong suits. I don't really need to sleep. Just rest for a few hours each day. I don't need to eat, uh, and I have some endurance. So I feel like the gathering lifestyle might be a little bit more appropriate. Yeah, Kudo would probably love to have someone with your capabilities with them. Yes, I'm very decent at defending myself, so I and others. I could easily post a watch while everyone else sleeps, so at least help during the watch. I imagine you don't have everyone sleep in one person post a watch that would be unsafe. We fancy staying alive. All this work they're going to to give us space to live. We'd like to not squander that. And they kind of like thumb up at Adel in the sky. Right. And as I said, I want to help in any way I can. I just thought um, it'd be better for two of you to evaluate and gauge what I would be most suited for yourselves rather than trying to intrude myself. Appreciate it. I'm, uh... Where are they? Huh. Kudo! Got one for you, probably. And you can turn your head to look where they're looking, and you see, like, kind of sitting up a little bit straighter, a little ways away, there's a... I mean, I guess Steiner is maybe enough of a nerd that he knows drow from media. Like how their presence has seeped into some of our stuff. Have we, has Steiner actually like met one of the um, drow type elves before? Or have they all been... They've never come up in the campaign. Any campaign up to this point. Hmm. What about the Winter Court? No? Well, okay, so how about this? Steiner's definitely, like, been in and out of the Winter Court when we haven't been looking. Like, there there have been gaps of time. You tell me, has Steiner ever met a drow? 
I mean, if they're, like, just kicking around, I imagine everyone in this campaign has probably at least seen one. Yeah, they are, like, a subspecies of elf. They are around. Don't know if we've had extended conversations with them, or if we're going to reveal... Oh, yeah, this one uh, I met in the Winter Court, and it's my they're my best friend now. We've had extended conversations. We're pen pals. We've just never talked about it in the podcast before. Look, I promise I have a drow friend. It's not weird. <laughs> God. Some of my best friends are drow. Jeez. Anyway, yeah, it's up to you, Ape, if uh, Weathersteiner probably, you know, seen them around, seen drow around and talked to them, just never had, like, extended on-screen interactions with them. That's fine. They are a kind of person that exists in this world. There are thousands of those. For the sake of not having this campaign go for a thousand sessions, we do not cover all of those conversations. Mm-hmm. That'd be ridiculous. It'd just be like a live stream 24-7. We're always in character. <laughs> I think we'd make it about uh, a week before we all just took Jeez, pills. that'd be a f- that'd be a fucking thing, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, coming back on topic. Kudo, um, drow, kind of short, soft in the face, short-ish, white hair, like it comes down around their collarbones uh, towards the back but it's like there's a center part that's keeping it out of their face. A dark cloak that is, is like partially segmented. This is definitely like a, I am trying to minimize my profile out when I am out working and I have fucking like bright blue skin. So I need to do a lot of shit to offset that kind of outfit. Like Kisamai, they have bright red eyes you can see as they make their way over to you. Again, still very uncommon. Only the second one you've ever met like this. And, uh... Rock up to you. Size you up. Well, you look like you could hold a lot, yeah? And, as I've stated to your compatriots, do not need to eat or sleep. Oh, that's... Interesting. Do you need anything to work? Uh, I do need to rest just a few hours a day, not just sit and have some personal time. Just relax for a little bit. Okay. Mental fatigue, I guess. I don't feel physical fatigue, but I do get bogged down a little. So just need to de-stress sometimes. Okay, that's good. I can hold my own in a fight. I have my weapon. Decently strong. Can take quite a bit of a beating, what with being the whole mostly metal thing. Alright. Um, How are you at climbing trees? Um, I've not really made any serious attempts. Um, to give it a shot. How are you with running water? It's not been really a problem. Not more than anything else. I mean, 
a strong enough current could knock me away, but... That's true of everyone. Yes. Uh, I've never tried swimming. I don't imagine I'd be great at it, but... I don't need to breathe, so presumably I could just walk along the bottom of a body of water if need needed to be. That might simplify a few things for us. Hmm. There are some things that are only really found at the bottom of riverbeds and lakes. Oh, yes. It would be nice to put somebody on that who doesn't have who doesn't have to use power to get down to those depths that's good okay uh let's see oh um i can detach part of myself parts of myself and they can act uh either semi-autonomously, or I can control them directly. If I control them, I need line of sight to do it, but uh, I could say take my arm off and it could fit into a narrow space. I don't know what use that could be, but it's something I can do. We try to stay away from narrow spaces, mostly because it wouldn't be hard for something to shift the space behind us, and then we're stuck, and then we get eaten. There's a lot of very creative right. predators out there. But, in theory, depending on your range, you would be really good for scaling cliffs. Yes, like I can pull my arm off and have it just go around on its own. I don't know the exact range, I've never particularly tried to measure it, but I guess we could find that out. Okay. Well... Seem like a good fit. How vulnerable are you to illusions? Uh, I can do magic, so if I'm aware that it's an illusion, I can dispel it. Um, I suppose as vulnerable as anyone else, if, like I said, I can pick up on it, I can most likely dispel it myself. I have been subjected to a few of them in my time what time we've had, and I suppose I decent at recognizing them. Okay. How about things that try and get inside your head? Do, does, does that even, is that even a, a thing for you? Been through a few of those, like uh, things that try to uh, let's see, I fought a number of creatures, and there was one that projected um, it basically would subject you to your own worst fears via illusion, and the only way out of that was to recognize these fears and confront them. So I've had experience with things like that, of that nature. Good. I'm really glad to hear that. The region that we're set up in right now, a lot of the predators get by on mental attacks, invading your mind, and various sorts of magical trickery. So I'm glad mm. to hear you've got experience on that. We, uh, we try and stay out of their way. We, we don't engage as best we can. Uh, I would imagine that sort of thing is, even if you're, well, I don't know if you ever get used to it, but even if you're expecting it, it's never quite 
it's always disturbing, distressing. I'm sure you understand what I mean. We've had a few people exit our team as a result. Mm. Yes. Some of them can be deeply traumatic. Hmm. Well, if you're willing to give me a shot, I'm, as I said, really just looking to lend a hand to pull my weight, which, as I've stated before, is, you know, substantial as I'm mostly metal. Yeah. We're, uh, we just got back. We're gonna have a few sleeps before we go back out there. See if anybody needs anything in particular. Anybody's needs have changed while we've been out. See if you or your compatriots need anything particular. Get a new list going. But when we go out there next, we'll start by having you shadow Balde, my second. All right. And if you're half as good as I think you're going to be, we'd love to have you out every single time. I'd be happy to be of help. Thank you very much for all of your time. Uh, three of you, I'm sure you have everything. I'm sure you have many things you need to get done, many things to attend to, so I will not take many more of it. Um, and I look forward to working with you, Kudo. Likewise. Steiner, was it? Steiner, yes. Excellent. Pleasure. Same some point in the middle of this conversation why doc had just kind of left so now you're just here in the communal area eating area by yourself kudo leaves to keep working well i guess i'll go find something to do all right So, it's uh, it's like two or three sleeps later, when the three of you are all together, that Adel approaches you all, with, you know, with Lindsay saying that it's okay, they're going to chance it. Okay. Uh, yes, I will smile and wave to him. Yeah. Uh, you know... <laughs> Lindsay, you have specifically invited them to approach, so that's what's making this happen, but they are definitely regarding Steiner and Amelia with a bit of hesitation. They're, like, trying to read you two. Like, okay, I know it's okay with this one. Is it okay with these two? Just give, like, a little greeting wave, like, hey, how you doing? I try to, like, I, I give Adol an awkward smile. Like a, <laughs> hi. They uh, come up to the three of you. May I sit? It's all right with me. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you for asking. They'll ease themselves down to seated position the three of you how are the three of you getting on are you 
finding life here acceptable, well, comfortable, safe? Yes, all, all of those. Thank you. I've been trying to make myself useful all I can. I'm uh, going to be heading out with Kudo uh, when they and our team return to the field. So, yeah, I'm I'm doing good. Yeah, I've uh, I've met a lot of people. I've uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to remember everybody's names, but it, it's been a pleasure meeting everyone here and just doing things because I don't, because I want to, not because I have to. It is a good feeling. I was asked a question and I answered it very poorly. Would you permit me a second opportunity? Sure. Yeah. So that they point at the Adol in the sky that is fighting. Always fighting, literally always fighting. Every time you look up, they are locked in combat with someone or something. It has changed since you got here. There was a moment and like there was a ripple through the entire camp when it happened and everybody's eyes were drawn up, but there was a moment when the Adel up there killed whatever they were fighting and like threw it into the ground and then fired some kind of honest to god fucking Kamehameha wave at the impact site. And then there was like a couple hours of that Adel just kind of sitting there and then something else showed up to fight them. But aside from that small break, it's just been constant fighting. And Adel is indicating up to that as they say, I was that person. That is me from a season ago. The fighting does not stop. But I am not infinite. Even I grow tired. Even I may become damaged, broken. I need rest, I need food, I need time to recover. Time to remind myself, looking at the three of you and kind of turning a little bit to look at the other people in the area of why I am fighting in the first place. So when I reach my breaking point, I move backwards. I part the wall of time. I step back a season and I rest. Recover. I eat. Do everything I need. And when I am well, when I am whole again, ready to fight anew, eventually I will reappear here. Another version of me that I have not yet been will come here broken, hungry, exhausted, and the one in the sky will vanish to become one day me, the I who is myself now. 
and I will take their place in the sky. And so I cycle backwards and take my place on the edge of the circle to fight and fight and then come backwards and go back up and fight and come backwards again and again and again so that I may always be doing the work that is necessary. That's a lot. That's extremely interesting. That also sounds completely exhausting. It is, in the way. Even when I am resting, I am always preparing for coming fights. Always thinking on ones that have passed, learning from them. I. I do not have much time to think. Motioning at the themselves that is in the sky while I am fighting. But here, now, I can learn from the fights that I have won so that I am stronger, better, smarter for the ones that have yet to happen. But I can find rest here nonetheless. I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. You do not need to feel obligated to speak on it. I am simply answering your question. I am, as are all of you, doing what I am best suited for. That is all there is to it. I hope eventually there's a point in time where you don't, where this doesn't have to, you know, continue. I'd like it very much if you could not have to wait for the next battle. There will come a day. I have not seen it yet. I do not know if any version of me has seen it yet, but there will come a day when When the last person who thinks it is right to trample upon people like you has taken a breath. And when the last bit of wildlife that can prey upon you all unmatched has faded from existence and the world is safe and quiet, there will come a day that I will put all of this down. And I will sleep like the dead. It will be well earned. And maybe I will learn to be something else. I sincerely hope so. Yeah. You know what? I don't hope. I believe it's going to happen. You are not the only one who has expressed such faith. No. 
suppose it'd probably be a pretty common sentiment. I am, if I may be honest, I am not certain I believe it yet. I have never known anything but this. I did not have a cause before now, but I have only ever truly known this. And I am relying on the faith of others that I can be something else when this is all over, when this is no longer necessary, that there is something else I can be. But I think that is enough for now. And, uh, everybody? Yeah. Yep. As you're formulating your responses for that, there's a weird kind of, like, shift in reality and, like, the space around you. It, it's difficult to pick up at first. But then you realize that Adel never actually said that last word. Your brains filled that in based on what you know of like how people talk, all of your experience with having conversations with people. Adel like vanished in in the middle of that sentence. Um Uh Uh Was that it? Was was that I'm I'm gonna look up. No, nothing's changed up there. Head out into the camp. Um, see if this is unusual. Yeah, I'm gonna look for. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna just look for the first person I recognize that would know what's going on. Yeah, same. There, there's plenty of people. Like you, I assume I've been picturing this as happening like in the communal eating area, so it's not just the three of you plus Adel, there's a bunch of people who are just around here eating. So did anyone else seem to notice that? Or... Oh, yeah. Like... Are they acting like it's weird? Um... They're acting a little bit like... Surprise, but it's in the same kind. It's the same kind of surprise as like when you're just chilling out in your living room watching TV and then your dog just barks once for no reason. Okay. So it's a thing that happens. Yeah, nobody's panicking or anything. Oh. Is that is that normal? Is that does that happen often? Somebody that you haven't really like exchanged names with just like just like leans in a bit, comments. Normal, yes, when something decides to get inside of the circles, and when something of any consequence tries to break our perimeter, Adel goes and handles it. Ah. Okay. Huh. There's a part of me that really wants to go look. <sighs> Question. Eh? Uh, amongst the three of you, is anybody not doomed? I believe I am not doomed. I have full luck. Alright. I mean, I still have two levels that I just haven't had anything to spend on them. Could I spend one on getting a luck back? Sure. Cool. I'm not doomed. <laughs> I'm not doomed. I'm not doomed. So, 
The both of you not doomed people can roll read a bad situation. I'm not doomed, so I think that's all of us. I thought you were doomed. Nine. I think I we're only to the end of the session. I thought you stayed doomed because comedy? For Avda? Maybe, maybe Did you I... become undoomed? I might have become undoomed. Yes, because didn't we get two experience points last time at the end? Didn't you, like, already buy a point of luck, but it was ruled that you're going to be doomed for, like, another session? Yes, that was, that was it. That was it. So I think by now it would be... It would have worn off. Yeah, okay. Okay. So read a bad situation? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Ten baby. Okay. This, uh... Since Grant got the best roll, you can ask the first question. There's one piece of information in particular that I'm, like, looking for you guys to get out of this. And if one of you gets it, all of you get it. Uh, are there any dangers we haven't noticed? So probably not physical dangers, because Adel is crazy powerful. Mm -hmm. Even more so compared to when you fought them. There's maybe kind of the risk right now of some psychological dangers if you don't ready yourselves. Because if Adel comes back directly to the three of you, that's going to be them doing their like hyper teleport directly within arm's reach of the three of you. Oh, okay. In that case, what's the best way out? Um, probably standing a little bit of ways from the point where they were, if they decide to like come back there, because that's where you guys were. They were talking to you. Okay. Just, you know, being out of physical touch range. And then, I don't know, just like, psych yourselves up. You've got time before this potential trigger goes off, so you can get yourselves ready for it. Um, what's the best way to protect the victims, i.e. us, when he comes back all fire and flame? Uh... Everybody hold hands. Right. Just be able to provide that, like, immediate physical reassurance to each other. Okay. Well, those are my three questions. That was, like, generally the thing. The having everybody roll was just to have everybody come to this same realization. Oh, fair enough. So, let me see here trying to figure out what everybody rolled last time to do this. I rolled sharp. Yeah, you rolled sharp, Roxanne rolled cool, and Steiner also rolled sharp, it looks like. No, Steiner ro rolled cool. So, Roxanne and Steiner roll plus cool, Grant rolled plus sharp. For the... And, I, you know, I assume Grant just, like, immediately goes over and briefs everybody on this yep. potential issue. Yep. Everybody can take a plus two. Okay. Neat. To this roll. I don't think I can fail at this point, which is good. Mmm. That's chicken counting. 
Grant rolls a 10. Steiner rolls an 8. Roxanne rolls a 9. Okay. So, again, it's, it's just your internal chronometers to tell you how long it's been, and those are kind of starting to wear out in this seemingly timeless space. But it, it doesn't feel longer than, like, I don't know, five minutes or so. And then Adel has been back in the camp for, like, three and a half seconds, you come to realize, and they are just there. Grant, you saw it coming, you thought you went your way around it, you knew this was going to set you off, and so you just, you were, like, stone cold ready to deal with this, and so you are unshaken. Roxanne and Steiner? How are you affected? So Roxanne is like, tries to like drown out as much of her senses as possible to sort of like not have to be aware of like Adel just being there and just have something to keep her mind off of it. So she's like eyes closed, sat on the ground, like humming a song to herself to just try and keep like all of her uh, all of her senses kind of occupied but she still like has that sixth sense the the you know the whatever the battle sense to know when something has shifted around her so like when she realizes Adel is still there she kind of fucking like visibly jumps backwards from a sitting position. It's very ungraceful. She looks very rattled over it. Alright. Uh, how Steiner reacts is I think that he feels maybe a little overconfident judging by how he kind of handled it last time and he thinks he can just steal himself again but then maybe he gets like a flashback to not Adel themselves you know that old event but maybe the of getting crushed in the tunnel afterwards and maybe that catches him a little off guard so he's a little shaken but he's still holding it together okay does it show like physically at all or is this all just internal? I feel like it's going to be internal because I don't think I have, like, expressions outside of, like, body language. Yeah, does it reflect in your body language at all? Do you tremble? Do you jump? Anything like I that? I think Steiner is more still. Uh, and I mean that in both, like, just like he's sitting fairly still, but also, like, uh, I think I mentioned this when I first kind of tried to describe him, was that does like the pieces float and just kind of separate and then close at like a fairly steady, right? And they're sticking fairly close together right now. Okay. So I don't think like an outside person who hadn't spent time with him in this state 
would recognize that he is, like, tense, but maybe Grant and Roxanne can pick up on that. All right, all right. Grant, your, uh... Your companions are a little bit distressed. Uh, I will squeeze their hands. I'm not sure how well Steiner can feel that, but I'm going to try and comfort them as best as I can and, like, you know, if they need me to, pull them in a little bit closer and just kind of comfort them. Alright, alright. So, Roxanne, as you you know, kind of right yourself after jumping backwards, Steiner, you maybe try and work your way out of this kind of locking up as a response. Adel doesn't immediately notice that the two of you are disturbed. I, Roxanne, are your eyes still closed? No, 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 not not after realizing that Adel is there, she does open her eyes again. Like, after having a lot of eyes for so long, it's kind of weird to have no vision. <laughs> so it's more comforting to be able to see what's going on rather than uh, to block it out. Got it, got it. Okay. Even though the natural response was overwhelm all of my senses so I don't even have to think about it. Yeah, I get you. So, you know, you can all see that Adel is kind of like fussing with a net that's woven out of just straight magical energy. It, it's not like big enough for them to have hefted over their shoulder. They're carrying it almost kind of like one would carry a very heavy garbage bag. And they're like as their presence is resolving in your mind, they are like looking at it and like fixing their grip on it a little bit. And they, they're, they're setting down and they're like looking around a little bit confused. And that was the spot that they were sitting in when they vanished. And so they're like, wait, where did, and they look up and they seek you and they're like, oh, you moved. And then they can read, at the very least, the weirdness on Roxanne. <laughs> and you can see them beating themselves up about it. Can I, like, try and roll manipulate someone to appear not fucking shaken? Yes, you may. Okay. Let's see how this goes. 13. Number. Good number. Yeah. yeah. I don't have advancement. It's fine. Ada likes you plenty right now. They're already your ally. Wow. Dang. So yeah, you are able to school yourself back into neutral as they are, like, finding the three of you again. Like, recognizing you, holding up the net looking a bit excited about it. Stride over to the three of you with all the confidence in the world. Sit back down in front of you all and like, like put the net on the ground between you and then it dissipates and spilling out all over the ground. 
Roxanne, you recognize these from Aster's journal. These are Kalmak oh. beetles. Kalmak beetles. You can get a proper sense of their size now. They're about like one and a half times the size of a golf ball. These are the things that like can like drill through anything or something like that. I remember yeah. right. Those. Uh, they are very spherical. They look a lot like scarab beetles, except they're very, very round. And in the, uh, you know, the, the light from the campfire and... Uh, here's a fucking setting detail I haven't fucking brought up. Because there's no sun or stars in the sky, light sources work differently here than you all have been used to. And I don't know, once I'm done telling you how so, you all can tell me if this has been disorienting or affecting in any way. All of the light comes from either fires that have been lit around camp or just some various forms of natural phosphorescence. Like there are things living in the trees in camp, uh, f funguses, uh, harmless animals that give off their own light. Uh, people have captured glowing insects and have staked jars of them around camp to form constant light sources. And that that's giving everything a kind of like, at least as far as you guys are used to, muted color. Or, or maybe not muted color, but everything has a kind of tint to it. Like, you know, Adel's skin isn't exactly that shade. Having seen them under more natural light that you all have created in the tunnel. But, you know, everything looks different and everything is like dark except for the natural glowing lights that either already exist here or people have like gathered and placed has that been weird for any of you all i feel like roxanne would probably be pretty used to it just because of the light we've been hanging in the deadlands for yeah, which has like an ever-present light, but also it's just like, it's not like bright in the Deadlands, so she spends a lot of time there, relatively, yeah. so I feel like she's probably pretty good with it. Alright. I mean, Grant's been seeing a lot of weird shit basically since he was 16, so... like, All Right, but this isn't... This isn't, like, weird shit. This isn't, like, a monster tromping up to you and being a thing you have to fight or figure out or whatever. This is the way light works in this world is different all the time. Mm. And, like, you know, I'm not going to say... I'm not going to make this, like, decision for your character. I'm just going to state this as a thing that exists. Like, seasonal affective disorder seasonal depression is a thing that exists when like there's less light in a day that people are susceptible to so having different like day-to-day -day lighting arrangements can be a thing that affects you and you know Roxanne has an excuse by dint of having spent a lot of the previous six months in the Deadlands but Grant spent a lot of that in the summer court so that's not an excuse that exists for you. Um, I'll let the dice decide. I'm just going to roll straight up 2d6 and see what happens. 
Uh, no, Grant is super not used to it at all. This is fucking weird. Weird how? Is it like... Again, um, seasonal depression. Is it like bumming you out? Is it making you feel disoriented? I'd, I'd say disoriented is probably the best way to describe it. It's it's not like bumming me out. It's just unsettling. We'll say it that way. We'll put it that way. It's unsettling, Tim, a little bit. Especially because you have to experience all this while wearing a mask 90% of the time. Yes, yes. Steiner, how's this situation doing for you? I know you don't have hormones exactly to get depressed with, but this this might affect your your spirit in some way. I said something earlier about like we've been in the I've been in the Deadlands for like a half a year, and that's okay, a weird so lighting. You... It was just like a bleh thing too. Okay. Okay, so uh, with that little bit of set dressing resolved, um, you have a, a bag of dead beetles in front of you. Again, uh, they're like very round scarabs, about twice the size of a golf ball, or one and a half times the size of a golf ball. They are in the light that you have. They appear to be like a, a, a very dark blue, maybe a purple. Can't quite tell exactly, but something in that shade range. And there's like, I don't know, like 40 of them, just as, as the net dissolves and they kind of run all over the ground. Oh, I, I, I've seen these things. They were in Aster's journal. Yes, I had read their entry on it. What are they? A, a swarm was tickling the edges of camp. I apologize for leaving in the middle of our conversation. They needed to be resolved before they got braver than I allowed them to. These are Colmog beetles. They pick one up and... Have any of you ever eaten a rambutan? No. I've never even heard of one. Let me look it up and make sure. Oh, like a... I know what they are, but I've never eaten them. Okay. Oh, I've seen these before. They look really fake. No, they're very real. I've eaten fresh ones. They're very good. They're also kind of hell to deal with. <laughs> so, they, uh... Then none of you will have this point of comparison. Adel, like, puts their thumb and forefinger around the radius or uh, around the outside of one of them, squeezes down, and it kind of pops on a seam, like splits on the halfway, like the alternate axis. And then they like peel it apart a little bit, and they pass one to you, Grant, and they pick up another squeeze and pop it, pass it to Roxanne. They kind of look at you, Steiner, for a moment, like they're thinking, and then they just go ahead and do it anyways. They know you don't eat, but no need to be rude about it. <laughs> uh, and then they pop one for themselves. They dig their fingers into the, the slit that's been created by the squeezing, and they pry the exoskeleton off. And then there's just kind of like a, a meaty sphere in their hand, and they 
bite partway into it. You can tell their jaw definitely could close more than it is, but they're, they're like biting partway in and they pull it out and they like drag the flesh off by their teeth. They just eat it completely raw. There's a huge fucking campfire behind all of you. They don't cook it's a, it. It's a crawdad. <laughs> a little bit of crawdad. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I'll just politely hand mine to whatever elf is next is nearby. <laughs> I don't have, you know, a mouth or anything. Otherwise, I'd be into it. Because I like kick at it with my fingers a little bit. Like I pull, I pull like the the, the fleshy bit out. I guess. And like, you said there's like a fleshy orb of meat or whatever, right? Yeah. I like try and like split it in half with my fingers, just to see what like what it's like on the inside. You cannot split it in half with your fingers. You like push a little bit in with your fingernails and you are hard stopped. Well before the halfway point. Is it just too hard? There's probably a technique. Yeah, I, I just try and do it like Adel did it then. Okay. Yeah, as I and there's the same thing as with your fingernails, and Grant, you experience this as well as if you try and eat it like Adel did. You can bite partway into it, and then your teeth are just hard-stopped by something in it, and you can, mm. like, drag the flesh off by your teeth. It's like the Kinder Surprise. There's going to be, like, a little plastic horse in there or something. <laughs> okay. I can make those. You're half right. Is there a fucking pit in the middle, except a beetle pit? Sort of, sort of. Is it an egg? You gotta it's pull out like egg. a little fucking, uh, little tiny shitty paper crown and uh, like a really <laughs> terrible joke. And a zoo. Oh, good. That's a nice one. <laughs> Something much better than that. Harrison's, as you, uh, as you take your first bite, tastes pretty good, by the way. It's, um,. It is, you know, ape ape joked crawfish. It does like kind of have a bit of insect of the sea vibe to it, but it isn't fishy exactly. But as you examine what feels like a very smooth pit in the center, it's shiny, reflective in the campfire. And uh Roxanne, you have definitely never seen this before. Grant, Ho showed you a bit of this once as like a thing he got a hold of in the process of like handing it off to someone else. He was serving as like the middleman in some kind of exchange. But you deadass recognize you've just got like a, a sphere, a tiny sphere of mithril in your fingers right now. Oh shit, this is mithril! I don't make a door hinge out of that. <laughs> is that, uh... Is that, like... important? I figure this stuff would be, like, all it's, over the place. Uh, it's, uh... incredibly potent magic catalyst. Why is it inside a bug? I... I don't know. It's a prize. Like cereal. No wonder I couldn't tear it apart with my fingernails. 
These beetles consume deposits of this metal and then work a form of reconfiguration magic to coat themselves in it when they hunt. Huh. That's pretty cool, actually. I imagine it makes them difficult to kill, however. Exceptionally. Physical methods are highly ineffective. Have you tried braid, my guy? (laughs) My preferred method of hunting is to simply distort space and destroy their hearts directly. Hmm. Do they need to breathe? Perhaps asphyxiation? Possibly. I believe that would be slower, though. These things are very fast when they are hunting. Mm. A lot of bugs just sort of breathe through pores in their uh, in their shell. So, like, if you asphyxiate them, the minute air gets back in there, they're just moving again. How would I describe this speed? Oh, I was taught this once. They put their hunk of beetle down, and people are coming from around the camp and like just picking a beetle up off the ground. This this is apparently like a treat. Like, people are regarding this like, ooh, Adel brought a bag of candy home. Everybody gets <laughs> peace. shrimp. <laughs> Grandpa is giving out the Werther's Originals. <laughs> Careful, you'll break a teeth on those. Break uh, a teeth. Yes. A teeth. <laughs> um, but yeah, Adel sets theirs down and, like, like, scoots back a little bit from all of you. And then they clap eight times that fast. Huh. Hmm. That's pretty fast. Would you perhaps load them into an adhesive trap? Would that even slow them down? Hey, uh, Steiner, you're a fucking engineer. I'm some sort of wizard engineer at this point, yes. Yeah, so, um, I, I assume you just kind of offhandedly know what the speed of sound is. Roughly 600 and something miles an hour, yeah. Ah, so, eight times that. That's, uh, uh, that's about 2,700 meters per second. So they just, like, shred through glue. Wouldn't even slow them down, no. I wonder if this can be used against them. Can they stop quickly? Stopping, I do not know. I've never given them the chance to. They can change directions with that same speed, though. I believe that, too, is some form of magic. Hmm. Pick their bit back up again. Eat a little bit more off of it. So if they move at eight times the speed of sound and they're made of an incredibly tough material, um, they will just go like right through a fucking wall if you put it in front of them. That's not gonna happen. What if it was a wall made out of mithril? (laughs) Roxanne, you know that that's how they hunt. They just put on their little coats, get up to speed, and then just 
punch a bunch of holes in whatever animal they're gonna eat. And then when the animal drops dead... What if a beetle made of mithril crashed into a wall made of mithril? Well, they eat mithril, so... Just referencing a really old meme. What if you threw a ball of weed the size of the sun into the sun? What if a car <laughs> made of diamond crashed into a wall made of Well, diamond is the hardest metal. <laughs> yes. Known metallic... I'm also Diamond. referencing the same meme that. Okay, that's not a meme I'm familiar with. So yeah, there's a you know there's a little bit of a community event as everybody comes over, eats this weird bugs flesh. Seems to be a little bit of a treat. Adel tells you you can keep the metal inside that is yours. Everybody always gets to keep what they eat? Well, I would hope so. You have to give it back eventually, Ape. <laughs> it does not have much in the way of practical applications, but it is difficult to destroy, which means that they make for nice things to have around. I'm going to do something dumb in character. Roxanne, hmm? like, doesn't even think about it, and she just, like, goes, oh, that's neat, and pops it into her hammer space. Like, not even thinking, like, oh, maybe this is a thing I should keep secret. Nah, just like, boop. Makes it disappear. It'll kind of, like, flinches, blinks, shakes their head a little bit. What was that? How did how did you do that? What sort of magic was that? They're like oh. actually leaning in a little bit. Obviously fascinated. There's a bit of a twinkle in their eye. Um, it's just kind of a thing I can do. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't break the mechanism down for you. I've kind of just always been able to do it. Like, I believe we decided that it was some sort of extra spatial storage space. For whatever reason, only she can access it. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't actually true, but just yeah. And just uh, pop the, I pop the mithril back out, and then I. I don't know, do I have anything that I could pull out of there that would be not... You know what? You know what? While we're on a roll here, I pull, the, I pull like, the mithril out. I say, like, usually it's only things that I can, like, fit in my hands. Uh, oh, there is this. And I just, like, pull my hammer out of my hammer space. <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm sure you don't think fucking anything of it, but... Adel thinks that's cool as hell. Well, so Adel was thinking all of this was cool as hell. Like, they were, they were like, excited. They were, like, obviously, like, thinking about the mechanics of it. And then you produce a weapon in the middle of their camp. Oh, jeez. And the mood around the campfire changes radically. Like, you all can feel it happen as everybody just gets tense, frightened. Everybody is, like, looking at Adel, like, is this the thing you're going to solve? 
is this one of the is this one of the things that you deal with and Adel is unreadable Roxanne just like immediately goes into damage control like oh my gosh I wasn't even thinking I'm so sorry I just like put the hammer away I guess like I'm sorry I wasn't even thinking it's probably Yeah, no, um, you know, I just have it for protection when I was out and about. Do not draw your weapon in this camp again. Understood. They sit up a little bit, look to everybody in the camp, give a slow nod. Nobody calms down exactly, but nobody is in like, we're in danger mode anymore. And Adel's just kind of nodding to themselves. You have no idea what they're thinking right now. They are still completely unreadable. Mm -hmm. Just give them time to say whatever they're thinking. That is a very interesting trick. Perhaps we can discuss it more some other time. All right. They get up. As they do, they take another beetle and don't. I'm, none of you need to roll to read the intent behind this, but they completely close their fist around it. Just crush straight through it. No change in speed at any point. Like any of you would crush a fucking beer can in your hand. And then they drop the mangled, twisted beetle corpse to the ground and walk away. Hmm. You all can tell that you are being watched around the fire. Everybody is looking at the three of you. I just get up and go to wherever I've, like, stored my, uh... I, I, I walk off to go to wherever I've stored, like, the carving for my my guitar that I was working on, because I don't want to, like... I want to remove myself because I don't want to, like, ruin the mood, I guess. I want to make things better by making people less anxious by removing myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. I do, at some point, I would like to go visit Adel, but that's, I guess, a thing that's going to have to wait until, uh, later? <laughs> until they're less pissed at us? Right, not immediately. 
All right. Boys? I don't know. I'm just going to sit here awkwardly. <laughs> Roll a beetle around. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to handle this. Uh, I would advise handling it by not handling it. Just fucking let it ride for a little yeah. while. Yeah. Just gonna sit there with Steiner. Just in a little bit of silence until it's either too awkward to keep silent or no longer awkward. So, the with Roxanne's exodus, the mood improves by like 30 degrees, but the both of you still feel like everybody around the fire is looking at the two of you. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna let these people have a nice meal without me around to bum them out. More awkward to hang around, or is it more awkward to leave? <laughs> well, you've got to let us know. Will you stay, or will you go? Hmm. If you stay there, we'll be trouble, but if you go there, we'll be double. Well, I should stay then. Is that what you do? I guess. Okay choose to bear out the awkwardness of the situation. I didn't draw a weapon in camp. Not me. <laughs> Neither did I, but I also felt like I was bringing the mood down just by being associated with it. So... Grant, are you just gonna, like, go back to your tent? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna go back to the tent for a little while. Okay. That's perfectly fair. You are not disturbed. Uh, Steiner, as you just kind of sit there crisscross applesauce trying to ride this wave out... It's funny that you are the one who keeps running into them, but Meza saunters up to the communal eating area, sees the mostly at this point depleted. There were a lot of people sitting around and there were only like 40 of these things. Pilot beetles, but you know, there's a, there's a couple left. Hey, look excited. Look excited to see you, like, reach down, scoop one up. They, they gotta get, like, both hands involved. They cup them over the beetle and just, like, press as hard as they can. And they are obviously struggling to pop it open. They, despite this, still kind of, you know, look smiley and happy at this treat. So they walk over to you. Why is everybody so down? We don't get these very often. They usually know better than to come this close. It's kind of an awkward situation, but um, Amelia and Eddie were talking, and they were 
discussing. So, Amelia has sort of like a pocket dimension that they can store things in, and they and Adel were discussing this, and Amelia got a little overexcited, and she also stores a weapon the same way, and wanted to show that off, I think, and forgot exactly where she was. Mm. Okay. That'd do it. Yes. Just give it a sleep. It'll blow over. It's it's the kind of thing that'll set everybody off, and it will set Adel off especially, because... Yes, I, I can imagine. They make a big show of being the, the big, impregnable bulwark master of magic and violence that cannot be assailed, but they're just as affected by this kind of living as everybody else. Yes, again, I, they... Amelia really, I don't think, made anything by it. Meant anything by it. They just got all the excited. They... They do that sometimes, and they just forgot about exactly where, like I said, where they were, and... It... It'll blow over. It's fine, I'm sure. So long as they don't make a habit of it. I'm... I'm certain they won't. It's just... Put the damper on everything. Uh, you... You know them better than I do, but they appreciate uh, a face that wasn't involved in any of that. I haven't met either of your companions yet, and I'd like to. Well, they've both gone off somewhere. Um, hmm. Camp isn't so large. I'd say probably just back to the tent, or... Uh, oh, uh, yeah, I, I don't eat. Um, and I pop the beetle that I was uh, just kind of, like, playing with and hand it to them. Oh, thank you. Uh, trade you. They hand you the one they've been squeezing on this whole time, and it hasn't popped yet. Oh. Wait until they are done eating the one I just handed them and then pop the other one. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to take two. Find somebody who hasn't had one yet and give that to them. I think most people here have had. There were quite a few. I think most people had uh, a few already. You just got here. I did just get here, but nobody ever takes more than one. They're they're a rare treat. <laughs> Want to make sure as many people can get a taste as they can. I will find someone who hasn't had one and give that to them does a little bit for the mood. Maze is not the only one who struggles with popping it. Uh, if you'd like to, I suppose we can go track them down. They can't have gotten too far. As you said, it's not a big camp. Sure. Always glad for some company. Always glad to make someone's day better. They could use it. Mason never sat down, so they just, like, motion for you to lead the way since you saw the direction Amelia walked off in. So I'll just, uh, head that way. 
Roxanne, how Heidi are you right now? It wasn't even the Heidi thing. It was just like a... There was a spot where the in-progress carving is, and that's where I'm sitting, because, you know, I guess it's probably, like, somewhere near-ish to the tent. Yeah, that makes sense. Keep your things with your things. Mm-hmm. By the way, speaking of your things, something I'm curious about that I keep forgetting to mention. Grant and Roxanne both, how are you dressed? Huh. Because, like, your clothes would have been beat to hell in the final fight. And also probably got messed up a bit in the fight with Montezuma. But then you've had six months of Grant living most of your time in the summer court and Roxanne bouncing between a couple of courts and the Deadlands. What's your clothing situation like nowadays? Right and Daisy Dukes. No. I took a fucking sip of my tea, ape. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess Grant would be dressed in, like, whatever clothes the summer court would have provided for him. Because I don't think the queen would have appreciated Grant dressing up in basically rags. Yeah, that's fair. As a... As a... uh, Citizen of the Summer Court, sort of. As you would have been dressed like a... Member of the court, so... Like, soft cloth in... Bright yellows and dark greens. It it matches your hair. Okay. With, uh... With, you know, a, a little bit thicker around, like... The, the joints and the seat of your pants and stuff like that so it doesn't wear out quite so fast but it's definitely like these are clothes that are built for a summer environment short sleeves uh, right around your knees that kind of thing yeah it it's also should be noted that uh, that for whatever it counted as Grant's apocalypse beard has been shaved <laughs> By apocalypse beard, I mean basically a five o'clock shadow. That's all. That's all he's capable of growing. Well, probably like a, a hodgepodge outfit thrown together, like from going to like different courts. Like probably has like a winter coat. It's like not a terribly heavy coat, but it's like a coat she got in the winter court. And, like, mm-hmm. she's still wearing one of her, like, original human shirts. She's, like, <laughs> a plain cotton shirt, because if there was any graphics on it, they've worn out. And, uh... You know, like, she can probably ball her clothes up into, into like, a ball. She could probably hammer space some of them. Probably. So she's got, like, you know, a couple days' worth of clothing just floating around her hammer space, which probably would have been smarter to pull out of the hammer space, but oh well. Hindsight and all that. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the shoe situation for the Harrisons? Again, whatever the fuck some court provided for me. I don't know, dog. Do a little bit of lore building yourself. <laughs> tell, me kind of, uh, tell me what kind of shoes Tarira gave you. 
She give you fucking flip flip flops, tennis shoe kind of deal, moccasins. What are you rocking? Okay, I would imagine like it's like very simple medieval peasant thing where there's like what? High highs. No. High boots. No. With heels. No. (laughs) Zipper all the way up there. (laughs) Um. But, like, very simple, like, peasant shoes where there's no real difference between, like, left or right shoe and, like, very simple ties. Like, nothing too fancy, but also, like, nothing that would be completely useless either. I gotcha. Roxanne's actually probably still wearing, like a pair of boots that she likes that she tends to wear for work like monster fighting work but they've over the course of you know six months of probably having to get into a couple scraps every now and again uh have kind of like worn the fuck out and she has been trying to magic them into staying together so they're falling apart and the best she can manage because she's really not used to using magic to fix things is they haven't fallen apart completely yet. <laughs> just every so often you take them apart and beg them in true speech to keep together. <laughs> Basically, yeah. They were Uggs, <laughs> now they're just ugly. Not Uggs. <laughs> They wore combat boots, now they're just bat boots. <laughs> to imagine they're literally just work boots. Yeah. <laughs> Worked boots. Hey, there we go. I don't. Steiner doesn't need to wear clothing, but I imagine he's got, like, he's found um, just a large enough piece of cloth that he can drape around him, both one to keep the elements off of him. Uh, and to to make him look a little bit less freakish, like not freakish, but a little less uh, floaty bits of robot to you know kind of you know yeah like I said less intimidating and also and, and to, to enhance them. the like humanoid nature of your yes form exactly. by de-emphasizing the gaps between your body parts. And also to keep, you know, like, reflections from happening when he's out in the forest. Oh, um, yeah. also the issue of Grant's... The issue of Grant's <laughs> hand should be explained away as uh, he's wearing a glove over it, because I think a robot hand would cause a lot more ruckus than we've been making it out to be, which is not at all. I, I figured you would, like had gotten a glove during the five days you were working with Wei. Yeah. Just like something to, you know, if you were moving sandbags or whatever, something to keep the sand out of the joints. Right. Kind of just like, and and it was like early January when you were doing all that. So some kind of like thick winter glove just to have over it as a kind of skin. Okay. Okay. So with, uh, with drip established, Steiner, you can lead Meza over to the tent. It's a pretty good place to guess where you are at. Roxanne is 
Eh, pretty nearby to that. Fussing with the homemade guitar that she's been chipping away at for the past few sleeps. Oh, you know what? Like, the... the I guess the gatherer group has come back. She might have, like, tried to... She might, like, be in the process of trying to... I don't know... Fashioned some catgut strings? That's fair. They might have brought something like that. There, There is definitely, like, a need for thread for assembling tents and patching it, and... Uh, you know, the the new arrivals is an infrequent enough thing that that my doc was willing to uh, give you an allotment. You know, not a ton. You don't exactly have a lot of room for mistakes before you're going to have to get more, but you've got some. Mm, yeah, cat cuts just like, uh, like fibers extracted from the, like, st- the stomach wall lining of animals cattle and stuff okay. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, is it short for cattle gut? Yeah. That's the pleading theory, at least. Cat gut or cattle gut or kit gut. Hmm. Cat gut does not have actually anything to do with cats. Hmm. Right, I'm right, I'm right, you need I'm right. a lot of cats, yeah. Yeah, so it's just like a fucking twang, 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 twang. You're making a ukulele, then you need like five. Roxanne Steiner does not exactly have subtle footfalls, at least when he's putting no effort into doing so. So you can hear his approach at least. And there's a there's a familiar looking elf who's looking in a lot better health and only has one color of eye as they approach once you, you know, look up from trying to tune your instrument. Oh, um, hello. Hi. Hello. I don't think we've met. No, um, I had met Steiner. They had told me they came in with a few others. I haven't had the opportunity to meet their companions. Seemed like nobody was doing anything at the time. If, if you're busy, we can meet later. No, I'm just um, trying to tune this so it sounds nice. Hmm. Music helps me calm down. I'll just go track down the other one. Have you have you met Zolf by any chance? Oh yeah, no, I've uh, we've I've met Zolf. They're uh, oh, what was it? Uh, Kadra is uh, really interesting. We've talked at length about music. I'm really interested to hear what they make. <clears throat> it's always a treat when they play for us. We haven't exchanged names yet. We're we're halfway into a conversation. We haven't given names. Hi, I'm Mesa. Oh, um, pleasure to meet you. I'm Amelia. <sighs> My, would it be weird to say brother? <sighs> Not gonna say it then. <laughs> My clutch mate. Shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> yeah, I suppose you've heard caused a bit of a scene. Uh, yes. Steiner did tell me. I I assured them, and I'll assure you the same. Give it a sleep. It'll blow over. I hope so. It will. I promise you. Uh, of course. It's not even just that I'm worried about... It would be one thing if people didn't like me. I could handle not being liked. It's... I just don't... I want to be helpful, and I don't want this to get in the way of... helping people if I can help. I'm not... I motion upwards at where the other Adel is. But I like to... be helpful to people. I've been... I started making this mostly as a hobby because I wanted... I miss making music. I lost my old one. But I thought maybe... I might be able to raise some spirits if I were to play for some folks. And I've been... <sighs> I've been... <laughs> bothering Malfa to teach me everything they know. I figure an extra set of hands there could be useful. Just... There's a lot of, you know, hurt and hurting people. And I don't want to be idle when that, uh, is in front of me, you know? I understand. What, um, forgive me if this is a weird question. What do you do? Not that you necessarily have to do anything, but I'm curious what you, like, how you spend your time here. If there's work you do or pursuits you pursue. There, there isn't much in the way of work that I do exactly I have a little bit of um, how can I put this a little bit of problem with moving my body it's totally understandable not everybody has to or should have to uh I'm phrasing this poorly. <laughs> it's not about what you can contribute in a physical manner. I don't necessarily think that's important. I guess I was just curious if, uh, you know, I've met a lot of people here who have interests or hobbies or projects. And I was just curious if you had any of those yourself. I, I do, I do. Um, 
and you know, I, I've been feeling a little bit strange about it for the past few sleeps because th the project that I've been working on, I it requires to, to actually advance it would require a lot of materials, and I don't want to put that extra burden on the gathering team when it would just be for my own personal hobby. It wouldn't be helping anybody survive anything. Uh, but I've, I've been working on theory, at least, for intelligent, autonomous beings. I, I've been calling the project actors. My, my formulation is a much simpler version of what Steiner is, and it has been strange to have a have an example of what I might someday figure out just in front of me. We're walking around, talking, doing things, helping people. I feel, I feel like somebody figured out what I have been struggling with ages before I did and advanced it so far in the kind of environment out there while I have just been sitting here safe. It's... it's, it's I have complicated feelings about it. Oh no, I I think I understand. But it's good news at least because seeing it like that and comparing it tells me that large parts of my theory is sound. So right. when all this is over and we're not all so constantly desperate for every little scrap that we can scrounge, I I think I could go places with this. Yeah. No, it certainly sounds interesting. If there's any way I can help, I'd love to. I, uh... I get a little bit stir-crazy if I don't keep my hands busy, or my head busy. Yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, I am constantly beset by the desire to do things with my hands that I can't quite fulfill. Hmm. Well, I don't know anything about that, but if there's a thing I could, I guess, offer advice-wise, you know, I didn't, uh, this wasn't my idea originally, my instrument, and I didn't well, I did teach myself to play. It was from watching others with a little bit of teaching involved. So, you know, I've always thought that the importance of music was just that. Even though I'm walking uh, a path somebody's already tread, it kind of connects me to other people. And eventually when I reach whatever destination I get to because, you know, it's it's a never-ending journey. I'll probably have found something that's entirely my own. So, you know, 
because someone like Steiner exists doesn't mean that what you're doing isn't the, as much or, you know, more worthwhile to pursue. Sure. At the very least, maybe someday I can make it so Steiner isn't quite so alone. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, he's got us. Right. Perfect execute for you guys to join. By the way, Roxanne, while you were talking about, like, learning from watching others and all that, there's... You know, Mesa was listening intently because you had phrased it as a kind of advice, and they were eager to hear what you had to say, but there, there was an expression on their face that you've kind of, like noticed people having and you've figured it out by this point there's a lot of like every time any of you bring up your life before this camp people you used to know that aren't here right now everybody kind of gets a little bit sad about it yeah I imagine so yeah the, the idea of the ones who didn't make it here is something everybody kind of half has on their mind all the time. At this point, I guess Grant can enter the tent and see... Exit Mesa. the tent. Oh, exit the tent. Two of them are outside. Yeah. Enter the outside. Yeah, enter the outside. If you think about it, the world is just a really big tent. Exactly. Everything is either a cage or a boat. <laughs> uh, but either way, uh, Grant will head over and meet. Oh, is this the, is this the third one? Uh, yeah, hi. My name's Lindsay. Hi, Mesa. It's nice to, having, n- nice to have met all three of you now. Likewise. Here, um... So, Amelia plays music. What do you do, Lindsay? Um... Honestly, I... Fuck up, mostly. <laughs> no, that's me today. <laughs> yeah, for, for once, Grant is not the one fucking up. Um... Yet. <laughs> uh, I like to do art, but I haven't been able to find anything around here that's been able to, like, help me paint and stuff? Is there anything like that around here? Oh, um... Well, that's not something I do, but... Gosh, who... Remind me, I think they're asleep now. But... Kalse, Dora, and Ikor? They're artists. I can take you to them. Alright, yeah. Sounds great. They tend to sort of sleep in a pile, so you can reliably meet all three of them at the same time, but that also means that they are all unavailable at the same time. I'm sure I can work something out. <sighs> so, how are the... How are the two of you getting on? I know it must be a big change coming from out there to in here. 
It is, but it's also very nice. It's nice to see everybody gets along, more or less. Hmm. There isn't much in the way of dispute here. Also because everybody's really good at giving each other space. Not something you get a lot of outside. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, uh... I think what's gonna happen is Meza is just gonna kind of... while away a couple hours making small talk with, uh, with the two of you. Maybe Steiner, if he ever comes back. Oh, I'm here. I'm just hanging out. Okay. Yeah, just make small talk. Get to know the two of you. Uh, the three of you. I was just told that Steiner's present. Mm-hmm. And, uh... They, they don't push for anything of, like, real substance, at least for the time being. Mostly because, you know, two of you are complete strangers until just a couple minutes ago, and one of you have had a conversation... But yeah, you get to get to know them just a bit. Are there any questions you would like to ask the DM about Mesa that you would like? Th- what would I learn this about them from this conversation? Uh, how long have they known Adol at this point? Hmm, that's an excellent question. Is that specifically how you phrase it? How long have you known Adel? Or do you phrase it like, how long have you been here? That kind of thing? How long have, you, has, have they been here? Because I feel like just asking about Adel is a little bit intrusive. Presumptive. Yeah. So y'all fucking? <laughs> <laughs> Meza kind of gets like a little bit of a wistful smile. I've been here since the start. It was... Well, it was uh, originally just the three of us. Adel, Brada, and myself. And... You know, I, I try not to talk about it because it sounds like I'm trying to put myself in some kind of position about it, but... It was the two of us that Adel started this whole thing for. Hmm. So, I, I've stopped counting the seasons at this point. It'll get done when it gets done. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. I try to, like, get a feel for if Vrada is still around without, like, probing too much, just because I'm curious. Okay, how do you phrase it? I say, um, I just say, like, oh, so it was just the the three of you at the start. Yes, for... Gosh, I think it was... 30? 35 seasons before somebody else came in? Before word of what Adel was doing spread wide enough that people could start making their way here. It was a bit of an adventure when somebody just showed up. 
and asked to be here, sit in Adel's shadow with me and Brada. I have a weird question. Does anybody ever leave? Just leave on purpose, not like... Yeah. No. Nobody who would ever come here... You know, nobody who would ever find this sort of place useful, correct, has, uh, it would be the kind of person who would make a good life out there. This is sort of the best place in all the lands for us right now. No one's ever saw, seen fit to seek better. Yeah, I suppose that makes a lot of sense. We've lost a few accidentally. Hunters, gatherers, lost to predators and the perils out there, lost a few people to illness. It's, it's a delicate balance because there's, there are a lot of things that a lot of troubles that Adel could solve, but they need time to rest and recover. Right. So, we... We try to stretch out things as best we can, and then sometimes we push it too far. We lose somebody. But... No, I can't think of anybody who's ever left on purpose. I'm just curious. I guess nobody ever really has gotten the chance to just settle down. That would uh, benefit in a place like this. Yeah, this is most people's first chance at a sedentary life. in all but pointing up uh, very few specific cases. The life you lead out there, you know. Keep moving or you die. Right. Well, you've been here since the start. You must have known Adel for a long time then. Hmm. Yeah, I was dying. I was attacked. And I think it was just happenstance. I think Adel was out hunting for himself, and there was a distracted and delicious predator. And Adel jumped on it, and the thing that was eating me got eaten. And then I don't, I still don't know why they did it exactly. But they fixed me, closed all my wounds, and they picked me up and 
asked if I wouldn't mind someone walking with me for a while. I was going to, uh, I was going to ask, you know, what you make of them, considering you've known them presumably the longest. But, um, I think I've got a pretty good impression. There's just a, uh, a lot that you never know about somebody having uh, brief encounters with them. Right. They are at times completely inscrutable. There's a lot about them I still don't understand. But they are... I, I've had more than one run-in of someone with their strength. Only after I met them. I, I doubt I would be alive otherwise. Or at least not alive the way that I am now. But I, I still don't understand everything that they do. They are unlike so many with the kind of power that they hold. They are terrible at lying. And they know it, so they don't do it very much. And one of the worst lies that they tell is that they, they try and make themselves into this invincible, unstoppable bulwark for the rest of us, but I mean, that's how we met Brada. Adel got sick. They... Meza taps their nose in like a shh, 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 don't tell anyone about this. Adel got sick. I had... I had no way of knowing how to heal them. And the biggest predator of all was sick, disabled on the ground. And then Brada found us. And they knew medicine. So I've, I've seen Adel at their strongest and I've seen them as helpless as the rest of us. Maybe that's part of it, now that I say it out loud. Maybe they've known helplessness and understand it. Maybe I'll ask them. Hmm. No, they went... They, they brushed off. They are so... shy you get up on them about things like that. Well, maybe not now. Maybe later. Maybe I'll ask them when they don't have to put up the invincible warrior front anymore. <laughs> I give them a, like, a big smile and I just say, yeah, I hope you get that opportunity. I think I'm going to go lie down. I would like to go apologize to Adel. And, uh... Oh, I need to sleep and think on it. 
let some time pass, you know? I promise they'll forgive you. Hmm, that's... I really appreciate that. Uh, I guess it's not a matter of they're going to forgive me or not. I still need to do it, though. Fair enough. Don't let me keep you. Go ahead and go sleep. I almost thought to say goodnight. Uh, yeah. I'll, uh, I hope I get to see... I hope I'll see you around. I'm not going anywhere. Fair enough. Alright, so, um, I was kind of curious as to if the curse was already on, under effect, you know, on Mesa. It's just that humans haven't existed yet. Why hasn't, haven't they been affected when we arrived in the camp? And it's, I think it's because, uh, two of us? Well, Roxanne is technically not human, and I'm just a human soul in a construct, so I don't know if I count anymore. And then Grant has that whole void thing, so I think that just, like, negates any of that, so... Mm. Oh, definitely human and not, because when we met Maze the first time, they, like, knew about things that I had done and stuff like that. They also oh. knew about things that Grant has had done, and that was after Grant becoming the Void. Okay, then now I am curious about that again, because if the curse is already happening, but it's just not... Yeah. Hmm. I think it's because no, we can't. don't intend to do any horrible atrocities, honestly. I, I think uh, that's the long that doesn't. Uh, that doesn't count for shit. Okay. Also, Mesa doesn't just see horrible atrocities. Like, when they showed you, you know, in, in your big encounter with them in Elysium, when they pushed into you all of the things that they had seen, it wasn't just, like, m murders and shit like that. It was, you know, rel relatively minor things that still, would ha like, have some consequence on someone's life, but wasn't, like, earth-shattering stuff. Someone drank all of the orange juice and put the empty container back in the fridge. <laughs> Maybe maybe not that petty, but like, and I, I just said petty, but petty thefts, you know, pickpocketing, that kind of thing. Somebody steals a wallet out of someone's back pocket, that kind of thing, you know, they've seen visions of. So now I am, yeah, curious as to why, I don't know, um, best guess I have now is that only works if, no. Well, maybe. Maybe it only works if they're not, if we're not, you know, on the same plane of existence. I have no clue. It's something I'm going to be curious about now. <laughs> but it's not a huge, important deal. There is an answer. I know what it is. Is it probably the same, like, spell that's, you know, undoing it is probably blocking it? I mean, do you want me to just hand you DM knowledge? I mean, I'm going to make an educated guess as Steiner that the same spell that is undoing the curse can also probably block the effects of the curse. Well, Steiner can hold that hypothesis for now. I mean, it's not a huge deal. It doesn't seem to be happening. And unless it suddenly starts happening, it's not an issue. It's just a curiosity. Yeah. 
And, you know, you'll know when it starts happening because they'll one of their eyes will turn green. Yeah. Also, they suddenly, like, are very creeped out by us. <laughs> and they're just making small talk and... Yeah. Grant, if you, like, don't have anything else to say to them for the time being, you can, you know, just say, yeah, I'm kind of tired too, I'm gonna go sleep and just leave with Roxanne. Then yeah. Steiner, you and Mesa can shoot the shit for a, a while until they want to go sleep. Sure. Yeah, just small talk, discussing things. Yeah. That sounds like a good place to call it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's real quick knock out end of session. Have we solved a mystery today? Nah. I don't think so. Yes. We solved the mystery of the two Adels. Ah. Oh, yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm willing to count that. That was definitely a big hanging question mark. Cool. Uh, nobody's been saved from death yet. Technically, everyone at the camp was. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, by Adel. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't have jack shit to do um, with that. Have we learned anything new and important about either the world or the hunters? The bugs with the, with the mithril in them. That's not important. Yes, it kind of is. New. And we kind of learned about like the origins of the camp. We, that's a world detail, I guess. You know what? I'm willing to say that I did enough world building today that I'll give it to you guys. Okay. We did learn how Mesa and Adel met. <laughs> we did learn, you know, about part of the motivation for the big bad B- bad is in quotation marks yeah so we're presently sitting at two yeses if any of you can tell me something new and important we learned about one of the hunters then you can get up to three mm-hmm. I feel like I shared a lot about like Roxanne's music and like why she does it kind of thing I don't know if that counts. We've kind of explored Roxanne's musical stuff before. Sure. It's been a very off and on thing, but between like the instrument collection and you talking with Ashley that one time about how she is like a shitty mandolin player for therapy purposes, I think it's come up enough that it's established. It's just not something she's really had time for until, ironically, right now, of all times. Fair enough. Anybody else want to try? <laughs> struggling, I think. I think if you're struggling, the answer is no. <laughs> okay, so everybody gets an experience point. I'll take an experience. Did you level right. up that one? No. I just oh. like doing that. I didn't love up either. I just like the sound. Neither did I. Yeah. All right. So, 
good session, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah, whole yeah, lot yeah. of talking, a whole lot of establishing some things. Uh, next session is going to be more exciting. Hmm. But I, I liked this. I liked you all getting to know people better. I liked Grant succeeding at being able to talk to people. Though failing to talk to people was also pretty funny. Yes, that was very funny. I like that you managed to fix it and actually have a conversation with the local yes. doctor, though. Yes. Um, th there's a kind of like up in the air question mark about why the one-on-one, -on -one, well, not one-on-one, -on -one because Avda was in the room, but why that exchange made Avda blush a little bit? That, that's a question mark for Grant to hold on to for a little while, maybe? I figured they just have a crush on Adel. That's that's my running theory. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. It could just be like uh, I got praised by teacher kind of moment. <laughs> um, I like Roxanne meeting another musician and getting to be a music nerd again for the first time in like a fucking year yeah and uh most of these people too Steiner had a, a pair of job interviews <laughs> one of them went really well you'll have your first day on the job next session hooray Hooray! Yeah, on the job training! <laughs> well, that'll be next time. Uh, as for this time, do you have fun, guys? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah! Good. Always love to hear that. Hope you had fun as well, folks at home. Just, uh, you know, just a back-to-back -back couple of nice, chill sessions. Uh, a few hiccups, you know. NPCs mess up socially by failing to consider some things. PCs also do the same. Everybody's not human, but everybody is human. So far as people make mistakes, forgive it, do better. <sighs> good night. Good night. Good night. Have a good sleep.